Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Well, hello, everybody. Today is Sunday. It's the 21st of July, 2019. I am in the mobile studio. Let's go ahead and get our contact info posted, and then we'll jump in with the show and maybe make up for a little bit of lost time. If you would like to contact me, I do have a couple of different ways that you can do that. There is the voicemail, which is area code 206 745-2731. If you would rather record your own audio or if you would rather send an email, you don't want to hear your sweet, sweet voice on the show, I can read out the email for you. The place to send your audio recording or your email again is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. Over on the website, which is firearmscafe.com, I do have buttons for Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. If you like the show and would consider supporting it financially, there is a donation button there as well. All right, let me tell you guys, let's jump in with the show. Holy moly, it has been crazy busy this summer. This has been one of the busiest summers that I've had in a long time, partially because my wife has has had to go to a lot of conferences. So some of the free time that I normally would have has been uh, reassigned to other things. I have also kind of started up a new, oh, I guess it's fine to talk about it. uh, My daughter is doing some charity work and part of that is we're doing some pet sitting so we've been doing that to raise some funds but now that we're starting to get kind of a a clientele base going once this charity part is done we're still going to have those people as maybe as clients so i am starting up a little bit of a uh, pet sitting business as a lot of you guys know i am uh, retired so i have some extra time and uh it's a good way to make some money. It helps people out. You get to kind of hang out with other dogs and cats, and I'm an animal person, so it's you know it's fun for me. Uh, some of them are, it's drop-in type stuff, where you just oh you just all you got to do is come and you know check on them. You don't make as much money with that, but you don't have to do as much. Others are, you need to they want you to come and kind of spend the night there at the house, and then that way you can. Uh, let the dogs out or the cats or you know make sure they've got food and water all that kind of jazz that type of stuff uh, so anyway it's like i said it's fun uh, but we've been doing a lot of that so that's been taking up some of the time so anyway we also well let me take care of some some more show business we do have some feedback but since I am in the truck, I'm not going to be able... Normally what I'll do is I'll listen to it and then respond. You know, And uh, then later when I'm editing, I'll just drop that stuff into the show. And uh, when, I, when I'm recording, I generally don't you know, plug that in right as I'm recording. Uh, like I said, I usually do that stuff in post. 
one of them I, can, I may be able to respond to, which is from Val. And Val, let me say I apologize, but it, like I said, oh, you've been crazy busy. Val, excuse me, Val sent in some stuff, and uh, he sent it in a while back. So he, he probably thought I kicked the bucket and had heat stroke or something. Oh, and that's another thing. Holy cow. It's about 8 o'clock or so right now. And looking at the old truck gauge, it's 108 degrees. Oh, lousy, it's hot. Anyway, enough of that kind of jazz. I can't remember what I talked about or, or if I did uh, mention this stuff before. Uh, but I am doing a secondary lower build for my uh, PCC upper. And that's that Foxtrot mic upper that I have in 9mm. It's an 8.5 inch uh, barrel on that thing. I have another uh, pistol lower that I had built a long time ago. My plans originally for that were I could maybe do 300 blackout or something like that and, and uh, use, use it with a suppressor. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'll ever do that or not. You know, maybe one of these days I will. Uh, but we shall see. Anyway, I had bought a bunch of stuff from Optics Planet. And I had bought a lower parts kit from uh, Joe Bob Outfitters. And some of the some of the stuff that I, that I thought that I had, and I think I've talked about this before, but maybe not. But some of the stuff that I thought that I had was I thought I had an in plate and I thought that I had a castle nut, which I did not because I'd use those on an AK build. I'm pretty sure I've talked about this before, but anyway. I ordered a uh, vertical foregrip for one of my rifles. I ordered a angled foregrip for the pistol caliber carbine, the Foxtrot mic build, I guess we'll call it. And I had also, excuse me, ordered the castle nut and a in plate that has a quick detach in the middle and then has two slots on either side you know so you can clip in a sling that type of thing if you want and they were out of that you know, at the, of course on the time on the website it didn't it seem like it was in stock but a lot of times you know just because you order it that day doesn't necessarily mean that when they've shipped other stuff out that it's always going to be in stock so anyway they sent me a thing saying hey we'll ship out your other stuff but we will probably have to wait. It could be, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 days before it gets shipped out. Well, it turned out it took them. I got my, uh, the first three items, which were the, the, uh, the two, the vertical foregrip, the angled foregrip, and the castle nut. I got those relatively quickly. It wasn't like it got to me lightning fast. And I think what they may have done is I think they may have waited a little bit to see maybe if they were going to get those in plates in. And so they kind of held them back. And then when they were like, oh, we're not going to get these in, you know, for another 15, 20 days or something, let's just go ahead and ship this dude's stuff out right now. So I got those in, but it took about a month for them to get me that in plate. And it looks nice. I'm sure it'll work just fine. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to film that lower the pistol lower build and pop it up on YouTube, maybe try and, and see, I'll probably have to do a reduced version and see if I can't do it on Vimeo. Vimeo is weird, man. They, they want you to pay for stuff. If I was a business or if I 
had a thing. Let's say I had like was making a ton of money on Patreon or something like that, which I don't even have one of those. But let's say that I did and I was making a ton. I, I would maybe consider paying X amount per year to uh, to get a Vimeo account. Uh, but they, I think I'm going to be limited to maybe five gig of gigabytes of video footage, which isn't that much. Uh, and I, I know I've talked about it before, but I'm going to still shove a bunch of stuff on YouTube until they basically just kick me off uh, or until they say, you've got to take these videos down. And again, my channel is so small. I think I've only got like 68 subscribers or something like that. So I am, uh, I am so small fry. Um, one of the things, and let me know if you guys would even consider doing it or if it's, if it's maybe kind of too much of a pain in the butt, but I, w I was considering getting or seeing if I could get a, uh, an affiliate link. I think that's what they're called. Maybe to Brownells and sort of see if, if some of you guys, if you were going and buying through there, um, and that could kind of help me out doing some, uh, some stuff and help pay for the show and pay for upgrades or, um, you know, being able to, go to the range more often, all that kind of jazz. So kind of getting off track here a little bit, but uh, I am going to uh, film that lower build. I'm pulling into my place where I got to go here. Now I had, uh, if you guys had watched, kind of speaking of YouTube, if you guys had watched the video where Ken and I went out to the range, you'll saw, you will have seen that the um i was getting some light primer strikes and and i think i talked about that it was the it was the uh, ejector that i think sits a little too proud you know what i'm pulling into my uh destination here and uh it's kind of one of these drop-in things so i will get back with you guys here in just a second Hey, guess what? I am back in the truck. It's only been a couple of seconds for you, but it has been a few hours for me. So we're heading on the highway a little bit late at night. Heading back to the old homestead. Anyway, what I was talking about was I was getting light primer strikes. There we go. Late at night. On the old uh, pistol caliber carbine, my PCC I talked to the guys over at Foxtrot. They said, you know, sand that thing down and it will allow it to clear the, uh, clear the bolt. It's, it's causing drag on the bolt, which is going to get, which can give you problems with, uh, light primer strikes because it's not letting that bolt go full into battery. It can give you problems with, uh, ext maybe extracting or feeding because you're getting drag on that bolt. So I went, I did that, and this was a while back, and I went to the range, and I was able to get three rounds to fire, but the only way I could get him to fire was that I was inserting the magazine, uh, letting the bolt go home, and then I could bang, I could get one, but then, and it's been so long, I can't remember if it was cycling properly, so if it was 
extracting the round from the chamber, hitting that ejector, ejecting the round, and then chambering the next round. And I, I can't, like I said, I can't for the life of me remember. Here's sort of my dilemma. I, I think it did the next round and then it put it in there, but then what I would have to do is I would have to eject the mag, physically um, eject that new round. I think that's what happened. I would physically have to eject that new round that was put into the chamber, but again, it was getting kind of held off as it, as it was working back and forth. There was just enough of uh, probably friction or interference on there. You know, we talk a lot about, especially in AR world, we talk a lot about stacking of tolerances. And so maybe for some of you guys that don't know what that means, or you maybe you've heard it, but you're not like, eh, is it really that big a deal? You know, it, with modern manufacturing and this, that, and the other thing. And for most stuff with an AR, it has pretty much been debugged. But when you start to do stuff like I'm doing, where you are not buying a PCC from the, let's say the whole thing from Foxtrot Mike or from Angstead Arms or from uh, this, uh, CMMG, I think that's it. I think they have one. But of course, what they've, what they've tried to do as, as best as they can is to work out a lot of the bugs on that thing. But when you're doing what I'm doing, you're, you're using lower A and you're using Magwell B and you're using upper uh, PCC upper C. And those things were, in theory, really never meant to, well, I don't know. Let me, let me backtrack on that. I guess I should say, in theory, those things were sort of meant to play together, but not really. All that stuff, when, when you're buying from different manufacturers, they all kind of say, hey, unless you're using all of our stuff or unless you're using our stuff with this specific other company's equipment, we can't really guarantee that it's going to work 100% for you. And that's where you get this little bit of stacking of tolerances. So Foxtrot Mike says, well, hey, you know, uh, Stern Defense, their ejector is just a little bit high. It's, and it's the same thing maybe if you're using uh, Spikes Tactical dedicated 9mm lower with our upper. Their ejector in there is a little high, so you're going to need to kind of sand that down and take some material off try and keep that radius and everything as much as you can, but basically just, you know, remove some material and you'll be fine. And those other manufacturers would say, well, you know, really what Foxtrot Mike should do is they should go in and they should radius out or take out a little bit more of that material. Uh, you know, I, I don't know, you know, who's right, who's wrong. Maybe it's a little bit of six on one hand, half a dozen on the other, but and I think I've, I've, if I've said all this stuff before and it's kind of a rehash, I apologize for this, but I, I just can't remember. It's been so long. I've had so much other stuff going on uh, since I last put out a, a last couple of shows. But it, it, generally in AR world, most of that, most of that stuff you can do. If you're, if you're using, you know, upper A, lower B, 
magazine C, blah, blah, blah. Most of that stuff has kind of been debugged. Or if there is a little bit of a problem, there's pretty much ready solutions out there where they say like, oh, you know what? All you got to do is sand this down or, you know, put this spacer in or, you know, do this, do that. And it, it, there's very, very little stuff that you have to do. And most of the time when you're, uh, you know, assembling that AR, they're using all uh, the majority, I won't say all, but the majority of those builders are trying to get stuff within that kind of uh, mill spec or, or they understand, well, this is kind of what's out there and this is what most people are building to, so we'll build our parts to interface with those things. But it doesn't always work. Now, if you're an AK guy, you understand that, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to file this. I'm going to have to grind this down. I'm going to have to fit that. I'm going to have to, uh, you know, maybe redrill this or uh, take a tap and, and, uh, or a die and go over these threads or, you know, run it through this, run this bolt through it again just to clean everything up. And so you're used to doing a little bit more of the fitment because there are so many variants of the AK out there that not everything is going to, is going to stack up uh, for the most part on my AK that I have I've I've only had to do minor kind of fitment stuff but you still you still sort of have to if you want things to go a little bit smoother and and my uh, my AK is not a you know silky smooth operating machine it works fine but there are things that I probably can still do if you go onto YouTube and you look at some of my AK things like the trigger polish that I did it worked out okay it, you know it, it, it didn't really 100% solve the issue that I wanted it to solve but I think maybe going forward and the more I shoot it I think some of those things will kind of lap out and and they'll do it if not what I may need to do is go in and do a little bit more filing, do a little bit more polishing, uh, that type of thing. So anyway, all that again, stuff to say that I, I don't mind having to do all this stuff, but the dilemma that I'm having right now is I, I have two choices. So I don't want to take off too much material on that ejector, but the only way I can test it since I don't have a backyard range is, you know, I want to take off the minimal amount possible, put it back in the magwell adapter in the stern defense, take it out, try and shoot it, see if it works. And if it doesn't, then what I need to do is then go back, you know, bring it back home, take it apart, take a little bit more off, go back to the range. Well, I can't really do that. I don't want to go to the range 15 times in a day and have to spend or let, well, I wouldn't go 15 times, but let's say if I went three times, well, that's $45. I don't want to do that. Uh, and I, I don't belong to a range. Uh, the only thing I thought about doing was maybe taking, uh, getting a power inverter on the truck and then taking my Dremel with me, going out to the that open range, like where Ken and I went. If you go over on YouTube and check out that video, called, just called Range Day, you'll see the range that, that I would go to. And then I could go kind of maybe back and forth in, in, in the truck 
and uh, I could kind of use the Dremel tool to sand it down. But I kind of don't want to do that because I don't get as much precision it than if I'm you excuse me than if I'm using my disc and belt sander type thing. You know, I I can get much more precise. I can get a, a better uh, you know sanding or grind, whatever you call it, on that part. Now, if I do mess it up, I think I mentioned before that it's an eight dollar part, uh, and it would you know. So I mean, realistically probably five six bucks for them to ship it out to me so you know you're looking at you know we'll just round up and say like a fifteen dollar part as opposed to if i try and mess with that bolt oh here's another thing i wanted to tell you guys so another thing i thought is well maybe one of my problems is that i haven't i haven't gone back to the range and and done this yet but I thought, you know what, sometimes when they ship these things, they, they're kind of all oiled up. And in that firing pin channel, you can get, uh, you know, maybe uh, there's a lot of oil in there. And through the course of firing, maybe you get a little bit of buildup. And it kind of makes that firing pin sluggish. So I was messing around with it and kind of looking at it. Uh, it's a relatively simple setup. And uh, I think I talked about about in the in the first segment that I do have all the parts that I'm going to need to assemble that lower and so when I do that I'll also make another video of some of the the uh, troubleshooting and problem solving that I did with the Foxtrot mic upper and the stern defense to make those guys play well together so anyway I went through and I was noticing the uh, the firing pin on there there's like the firing pin uh, cross bolt or whatever. I don't know. I, I probably got the terms all wrong. I don't know. I don't know what they are called. Um, and then you have the firing pin and there's a spring. And then that pin in the back keeps that, you know, thing from shooting out. So it lets your firing pin go back and forth. And so when I was messing around with it and kind of pressing it with, um, it's a little too narrow to get your finger in there. So when I was pressing with a punch and stuff, Sometimes it would spring back, sometimes it wouldn't, sometimes it seemed a little sluggish. So I took the bolt apart, took the firing pin out, and uh, ran some cleaner through it. And really kind of tried to sort of degrease that thing or de-oil it. Ran a bunch of cleaner through the, uh, the bolt, all the holes, all that stuff. Put it back together, and it seems to be moving a lot freer. So I think what I may do is the next... Uh, time that I have available to go to the range I'll probably just again go to an indoor range I'm going to take some material off of off of that ejector and I guess I'll be a little bit more aggressive maybe I'll do uh, um, some measurements with it or kind of trace it out on uh, on a piece of paper using a real fine you know pencil point um, like one of the mechanical pencil points where you can get a really nice fine thing and then I will have that uh, and then I can have a reference point to put it back and sort of see how much stuff I'm taking off that type of thing it's crude I know but I think it'll work so anyway I think by doing both of those I think I'll be able to accomplish what I want and hopefully that will fix the problem uh, if not well, you know we'll see 
And what I think I want to do too is I had mentioned before I have that other pistol lower, and uh, and, and we've talked you know ad nauseum about a pistol. Since it was born a pistol, it can kind of go back and forth, especially now with the braces and everything. It can go back and forth uh, between being a pistol and being a rifle. Now, the only thing I'm not sure of, and and maybe somebody can straighten me out, I thought that when you... So let's say you've, you've you've got a pistol lower. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to put my 16-inch, uh, I don't know, what's a Daniel Defense or, or BCM upper on this thing. Uh, there's no uh, regulation against, you know, on a pistol you can have whatever length of barrel that you want. But because that is a pistol, I think you can have a pistol lower go and be a rifle technically a, a rifle or maybe a super long barrel pistol that you can then put a I know you can then put a stock on it what I don't know is if they still say with the with a vertical foregrip now if you had an, uh, an angled foregrip on there which I kind of like those but if you had one of those on there it, the point it wouldn't matter um but once you once you put that 16-inch upper on there, I think you could take your brace off, or if you didn't have a brace and you just had a uh, extension tube out there. Um, but let's say that you you know you could take that off and you could put like a regular I don't know like a Magpul stock or a B5 stock or something like that on there. Um, as long as you've got that upper on there first, and then technically is it considered like a super long barreled pistol or is at that point would it be considered a rifle um and then because you your overall like they were saying that thing about the vertical foregrip uh the atf had come out and was talking about it's got to be longer than 26 inches well if you've got a 16 inch barrel on there on that pistol and then you, you put your upper on first and then you take off your pistol brace and you put on a stock. You're, I think you're, you're golden. You're fine. And then I think because your overall length is long, longer than 26 inches, I think if your upper had an actual vertical foregrip, I think you'd be fine. That's my interpretation. But, you know, I, I don't know. And then I don't know. And then, you, and then you could go back. You could take your stock off. And then you could take your... Uh, and then you could put your pistol brace back on. Uh, again, and you could leave it that way if you wanted to. There's nothing that says you can't have a pistol brace... As, as, a, as a stock, you could use it as a stock for uh, on, on a rifle. Like, let's say that if you had, you bought a Daniel Defense rifle, and if you wanted to, I'm, you could, they don't care what you put on the back of it at that point because it's a rifle. So you could have, you could easily put a pistol brace on there. 
Uh, but because it was a rifle, then of course, uh, I don't want to go down to the weeds in this center. But again, because it was sort of born a rifle, you could never put a less than 16 inch total length upper on that thing. Um, but if it was born a pistol, again, I think as long as you watch your disassembly and assembly, I think you're all right. I think, um, again, you. Let's say on your pistol, you just kept your pistol brace on. You can again swap off that upper. Now, am I crazy? And if you put a, a 16 inch or a 20 inch upper, as long as it's minimum 16, I think if that upper had a vertical foregrip on there, I think because of the overall length, you can do it. What it would be considered at that point, I don't know. Uh, is it kind of like a, a pistol still? Is it any other weapon? You know, it's so hard to keep track of this stuff. Um, but anyway, with uh, having said all that stuff, that's kind of my plan for this uh, this thing. Is I want to do that, and but I want to film all that stuff and kind of go through and get kind of some of my my uh, troubleshooting and things like that through. And then I guess I will just, again, like I had mentioned before, I'll go to an indoor range, pony up the, uh, you know, 14 bucks or whatever it is to shoot. I suppose I could maybe go in and out. Maybe if I talked to the guys at the range and said, hey, here's what I'm trying to do. Can I come in and out? They may say, they would probably say no because they don't, they don't, uh, they wouldn't want anybody sort of doing, you know, quote unquote gunsmithing on parts and then bringing it into their range, you know, they'd say, oh, for liability reasons or something, if, you know, if anything happened. Uh, so probably what I will have to do if I, if I will go to the range and then I will, you know, to an indoor range after I take some material off and after I get the new lower, uh, the new pistol lower, uh, is, is brought into the world. And I will uh, see if that solved the problems. If it doesn't, what I will probably do is, again, get... I've got one of those uh, inverters, and I will see if I can't maybe take just my belt sander or something and set it up on the back of the truck and then uh, take that ejector. Take the ejector out of, of the Stern Defense Magwell adapter. Is it, it takes, like, what, a minute? So it's not that big a deal, uh, and I could do it that way. So anyway, um, I tell you what, I am going to do maybe one more segment. I don't know if I will do this segment at home or if I'll do another kind of on the road in the mobile studio one, but I want to be able to play uh, Val and Dave's feedback. And then I'll do my comments on that. And then we will probably call it uh, the show to a close after that. Uh, so, again, greatly appreciate it. Uh, you guys sending in the feedback. And if anybody wants to send in feedback, doesn't have to be on stuff we're talking about currently. It can really be on anything. It can be on, I mean, like, I guess in theory, try and keep it firearm related. But even if you wanted to send in feedback on a movie that you saw that had some cool gunfight stuff or even a movie that you saw or a TV that you saw or a show that you saw that had ridiculously wrong uh, 
portrayal of guns, that type of thing. Like I said, pretty much it can be on anything, you know. But like I said, if you can, try and keep it a little bit more gun-related. Uh, if you have more oddball stuff, I'm always plugging my other show, which is uh, Armed Ape, and you, the Armed Ape, and you can send in uh, stuff over there. And that uh, over there is the Armed Ape at gmail.com. Uh, no matter where you send it, just if whatever you're doing, like Val had done, you know, he had said in his voicemail, which you guys will be hearing here in the next segment, uh, that it, it, the, the subject matter of his voicemail, which is medical related, could be played on either show. So, all right, I am about arriving home, and uh, it has cooled off to 102, so that's, uh, you know, that's pretty good. Hooray for me. All right, I will uh, talk to you guys here in a couple of seconds, but it may be a day or two for me. All right, guys, I am back. Let's go ahead and play some of that feedback that we got. We got some from Val and we got one from Dave. Let's go ahead and jump in with Val's right now. Hey, Tony, this is Val from the Midwest, and I listen to Firearms Cafe, but this voicemail can go to both podcasts. Uh, basically, there's a first aid course available that's trauma-oriented called Stop the Bleed. It's a project of the American College of Surgeons and... Homeland Security and a few other organizations is a one-hour free course. It'll show you what to do if you're confronted with major bleeding so somebody doesn't bleed out in the uh, response time for the ambulance. So uh, all you got to do is do a web search. All the various organizations that do it have a locator on their web page, and you can put in where you are and find out where the next course is. Well worth it. I think it's the modern and maybe for us in the firearms uh, industry uh, equivalent to CPR, which we're getting everybody to uh, to learn. So stop the bleed. I just recommend that everybody do it. It's literally a one-hour course. It's excellent, put on by various organizations, and could save your life. Teach you how to use the tourniquet and what to do. Thanks for the podcast. Keep up the good work. Hey, Val, thanks for sending that in. The class actually looks pretty cool. I'm not sure how in-depth they go, but even if it's a deal where you just learn how to use a tourniquet and what tourniquet is good, I think it's a, it's a good thing to know. You, any type of knowledge is good, especially with uh, some type of medical stuff. Some of you guys may remember that Ken Kowalski was a uh, combat medic in the Army. And he has done some medical courses and things like that. And uh, he tried out some of that stuff on me. And uh, let me tell you, that type of knowledge is good to have. It's also good to know sort of what type of things you want for a basic trauma kit. Not that it just deals with the potential of a gunshot wound, but the potential of somebody maybe being in a bad car accident or having uh, maybe a bad fall or something like that. And... Uh, where you know they got bones sticking out, things like that, and massive bleeding. So anyway, I'm interested in taking this course. It looks like it's free, and I think all you have to do is maybe call up the place where they're going to do it. I am in the Phoenix, Arizona area, so Phoenix is a rather large metropolitan city. 
So there's tons of stuff. Maybe if you're in a smaller town somewhere, you may not have access to this. But at least in my area, it looks like there are several classes that are available. In fact, there is one that is going on today at the time of uh, this recording. As a matter of fact, it's probably getting ready to start in about four minutes. So it looks like there's another one tomorrow. And then for August, they have a couple, September, a couple, and then maybe a couple more in October. So it is something I think I will look into. Val had said that the course was only about an hour. It looks like here they've got bracketed at least two hours. Who knows? Uh, Maybe the actual classroom material and stuff is an hour and they just kind of bracket for people showing up and going and getting signed in, all that type of stuff. So anyway, again, Val, thanks for sending that in. Apologize on the time delay and getting your feedback on the show. All right, let's go ahead and hear from Dave out in Utah. So I'll go ahead and play that now. Hey, Tony, it's uh, Dave in Utah uh, calling in for Firearms Cafe. On the most recent episode, you kind of ended asking about uh, political thoughts for the upcoming political season. Um, Me personally, I am not too terribly worried about uh, the Second Amendment issues. Uh, The the reason is uh, it seems like uh, the Democrats are trying to adopt a strategy that they think is what Trump did, where they're just going to speak only to their base, which means they're being very blatantly, like, uh, you know, in favor of gun bans and uh, stuff like that. You know, it used to be that they, they understood that, um, you know, maybe some people in America wanted to ban guns, but overall it was just not a very popular thing. So even if they agreed with it, they couldn't just come out and say it. Nowadays, they, I think that they think they're trying to imitate Trump by uh, just coming out and, and saying what they want or what they think that they're, the activist base of their party wants to hear. Um, in my mind, that just it just kind of simplifies things because uh, it's easy, easy to prove to your friends that somebody is uh, either is anti-gun or is, or is uh, professing to be anti-gun. Um, and, uh, but then you, so you combine that, the tactic, uh, with, uh, with things like uh, Terrence Butler over in California, who's uh, one by one converting every actor in Hollywood into these, uh, these uh, gun nuts and making them look really good, you know, teaching them how to be safe with the, with the guns that are not, you know, generally legal in California, and then and then uh, showing them on Instagram, really tearing up the course and hitting targets and stuff. I think that's that's going to go a long a long way to uh, to people think, you know enjoying guns and normalizing them. Um, so I mean, clearly, still in our local elections, we still need to pay attention, still need to vet the candidates and, and vote accordingly. Um, but national-wise, I think it's a pretty, you know, maybe you don't like Trump, but I think it's a pretty clear choice of, uh, of uh, who, who to vote for in gun rights. So, anyway, keep up the uh, keep up the good work. Thanks. Hey, Dave, thanks for sending that stuff in. I appreciate it. A lot of good points there. As to the question of what's going to happen in 2020, it's still kind of a 
a crapshoot, I guess, in my opinion. I don't know if the Democrats are going so far left that they're going to alienate sort of that 10% that both sides sort of wants to go after. So if we look at it, we'd say, you know, oh, probably most of the, the people that like Trump are going to vote for him. The people that hate Trump are going to vote for basically who else. And so if we kind of chop that up of the people that would actually be willing to vote in the first place, there's probably about a 10% or so out there that are undecided. And it seems to me that the kind of the mouthpieces of the left now are catering to a very, very small percentile of the overall people that are going to vote. And maybe they're doing it just because they think this is the agenda we want to push. We don't really have to appeal to our base too terribly much in that they're not going to vote for Trump anyway. So we're, we're, maybe we're going to, maybe they think they can get sort of that Bernie wave going again, which I don't think they're going to. I think they're being sort of too radical with all this stuff of, you know, free healthcare for everybody and free college for everybody. Well, that may sound good and it may sound good for you to say, oh, I agree with that at a, at a cocktail party or something like that where you're at with your, with some of your friends or you hear this maybe kind of bandied about at a family gathering or something like that. But the reality is, is that stuff has to be paid for. College education is not free. Healthcare is not free. You have to pay for, number one, the people that are in those professions. Well, where does that money come from? Does it come from taxes? You know, so as far as getting, though, that 10%, in order for the Democrats to do that, you would almost have to get rid of pretty much everybody that they've got running or that person whoever it's going to be, the nominee is going to be, is going to have to be kind of a moderate. And they're going to have to say, look, you know, we've got to stop with all this hyperbole and seeing that Trump's Hitler. Clearly, he's not the person that's right for the country, but he's not the devil incarnate. So will we see something like that as the election for 2020 looms closer? I I don't know. If we don't, I think that it's in all likelihood probably that Trump gets reelected. Now, as far as him being a Second Amendment guy, he clearly, I don't think, is. I don't think he is necessarily pro-gun. I think he is not necessarily anti-gun, but he's shown that he is willing to forgo due process. He's shown that he is willing to enact bans on firearms accessories, whether you think that is, is a big loss or not. That's not the, uh, the point that we should be looking at. And I'm not saying that you, Dave, you know, think this way, but I'm just saying, talking again in general. But if he's willing to ban that, what else would he be willing to ban? Uh, again, I don't think he is playing this 4D chess that everybody thinks he's playing where he's reeling people in and giving them enough rope and giving them hope and then snatching it away. I think he is a a reactionary guy. I think whoever sort of talks to him last and can appeal to his ego gets what they want. So would another four years of Trump help us or hurt us long term? I don't, I don't necessarily think that it would outright hurt us, but I, again, I don't think that it would be a, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't think it would put a staunch ally for us. 
for the next four years. I think what would happen is for sure we, if if Trump gets reelected in 2020, I think probably the Republicans lose the Senate because they're just hanging on by by a thread now. I don't think they really regain the House, and then I think we've got some some legit maybe battles coming down the down the pipe for us in the Second Amendment world. Some could argue or may would argue that if that did happen, let's say if Trump does get reelected and then the Senate is turned over, that they will be fighting him tooth and nail on so much other stuff. You know, I, I don't know. There's so much. It, it's such an oddball thing whenever you talk about that guy that all normal things are sort of thrown out the window. So anyway, again, thanks for sending that stuff in. It will be interesting to see, uh, again, your points about local elections. And I've this is something I've harped on for years and years, saying that the person who's on your city council today may be your legislator tomorrow and next week may be your governor. So it's good to try and get people in there that are pro-gun if you can, and at the very least that aren't, uh, at least they're not anti-gun. So, And, you know, I think I was going to talk a little bit more about some political stuff and maybe I'll do that next show because I think we're going to go ahead and draw the show to a close today because uh, I think we're right at a good length so oh and before I forget you can go to the Homeland Security back to Val's thing Department of Homeland Security and you can just type in stop the bleed I didn't see anything on there where you could actually register the stuff that I saw on Homeland Security's website basically just redirects you to a thing where you can find that program uh, and I, like I said, I am planning on signing up for that and doing that, just making sure it fits in with my schedule. Luckily, it's not too long. It's only a maybe about a three-hour commitment if you talk about the time driving there and doing the class and then driving back. So I will, uh, when I get that done, I'll, I don't think I'll be able to bring you along necessarily, but I will be able to at least kind of tell you how the class went and some of the things that they're, they're kind of teaching you, that type of thing. So. All right, if you want to contact me, I'll give you the phone number and the email again. Email address is firearmscafe at protonmail.com, all one word, firearmscafe at protonmail.com, and you can send your own audio recording or an email, and I'll read that out for you on the show. If you want to do the voicemail, it is area code 206-745-2731. All right, guys, I will talk to you next time. Black coffee, I'm still dizzy. Black coffee, please get dizzy. Oh, 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 oh. Nothing to get home. Black coffee, I'm in trouble.
I'm not gonna get 